Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. First news here from Reuters. The Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has now signed a decree. Because remember, the whole like mainstream media pitch for Ukraine and the leftists and those people supporting Ukraine is all about, oh, Ukraine is freedom fight. They're, it's all about freedom. They're standing up for freedom because it's always yeah. there's always some side in an international conflict, even though they're both a bunch of tyrants that gets labeled as the freedom fighters. It's about being Nazi sympathizers and nothing else. Mm. Now the news is he signed a decree that combines all national television channels into one platform. Citing the importance of a, quote, unified information policy, unquote, under martial law, his office uh, said in a statement on Sunday. Wow, the Ukrainian Ministry of Truth. Yes. So they've literally nationalized all of their television channels, and they are now forcing them to broadcast the same, what I presume to be, government propaganda channel. And, you know, mm-hmm. Americans don't even see an issue with this. One of the pieces I have is seven th- is sort of related to this as seven things I used to believe until Putin and Trump proved me wrong. And one of those things is that they believed until Putin and Trump that a nation could no longer control what its citizenry was allowed to know. These people, you know, obviously are not about freedom. They're not about the freedom of information, which is one of the most basic freedoms on the planet. I mean, we've had so much ability to access information were spoiled by it and now they're completely wiping that out for the people of ukraine at least as far as uh, television viewers are concerned imagine flipping through your channels if you still have cable or so i know cable's dying off or whatever but if you still have cable and you know kids today might not even know what that is but uh, imagine flipping through and getting all the same government propaganda channel that's all this is like north korea isn't that pretty much what we get though when we flip through cnn and msnbc and i mean yeah, they may phrase some of the stuff but yeah, they, you're they're right. all saying the same thing. The U.S. hides it so much better. Yeah, no, your your point is well taken. Uh, certainly the quote-unquote private media in the United States is nothing but government mouthpieces. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. But as Arya points out, they do hide it. They, they put on talking heads that make it sound like they have differing opinions on things, even though they both ultimately support the state. And uh, so they've got a lot of people fooled. And sometimes you end up with someone like Joe Rogan or Alex Jones or someone who, you know, may not be on mainstream media, but they do have a powerful presence in the media. Every now and then they will let somebody on like that. I know Fox Business uh, does have Kennedy, uh, who hosts a show there, and she is a libertarian. I came across something that the uh, Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System came out with. It's uh, a paper that's come out January 2022. Uh, It says research and analysis, and it's called Money and Payments, the U.S. Dollar in the Age of Digital Transformation. Hmm. And it's a public thing that one can just Google that title, I guess, and see and find it. Uh, They are also actually, interestingly, on their website, it's on the Federal Reserve website, they're asking for feedback and opinions on on this. the different topics that they talk about. So they're basically talking about a central bank digital currency. And oh, okay. They, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, and they have different things on it, the uses and functions of it, the potential benefits of it, and the potential risks for it. Uh, I want to know if I can just re- read out the executive summary for the listeners. It's like seven sentences. Yeah, go for it. 
but it c- kind of gives a so the executive summary it says here for a nation's economy some of it is actually funny for a nation's economy to function effectively its citizens must have confidence in its money and payment services the federal reserve as the nation's central bank works to maintain the public's confidence by fostering monetary stability financial stability and a safe and efficient payment system <laughs> well they've failed How's that yeah. if, that, if that was their real goal which of course we all know it's not with the CBDC, though, uh, the need for the banks becomes non-existent, right? Because then you just have an account with the Federal Reserve Bank instead of with Wells Fargo or Bank of America or whoever. Yeah, but I bet you – I think nobody's right on this. I think that they're going to come out with some sort of two-tiered uh, system where, you know, the Federal Reserve isn't going to do loans, right? They're just going to handle – Why not? They already do loans. Not to individuals. I don't see any reason why they couldn't, though. Well, they're not set up for that, right? Like, they don't have a bunch of satellite offices. Yes, there are multiple Federal Reserve banks or whatever around the country, but those are, you know, the Federal Reserve works primarily with with banks. And right. so when, you know, Joe and Sam want to go down to uh, get a car loan, they're not going to the Federal Reserve Bank. And the, I don't think they're going to be able to build out that bureaucracy in, a, in as quick of a manner as they would have to to be able to satisfy the demand for people who want to get loans. So I think what they'll probably do is they'll just let the banks give out CBDC loans. Don't you think? I would imagine, yeah. Mehdi, is this something they're talking about in Canada as well? I know you, uh, you're you calling up from uh, from up north there. Are they talking about a Canadian CBDC? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No, I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, I'm not that I'm aware of about a Canadian CBDC. This I just came across, I think, like on a Facebook thing or something, and I thought it was interesting. I did want to find the part that Mehdi was talking about with, with the Federal Reserve Bank uh, issuing a 40-page document about quote-unquote, money and payments, the U.S. dollar in the age of digital transformation. And amongst other things, it does address... Do they the, did not realize that they're almost 20 years too late? Well, it is the, the government. Digital transfer- <laughs> That's why I don't think this CBDC thing is going to happen, though, because... Just because they're so slow and crappy Yeah, by the time they roll this out, dude, it's going to be 2036 or whatever. You might be right, um, but that said, that doesn't mean they're not going to give it their best shot for whatever that's, that's worth. That's true. And they are, by the way, hiring people who work in the cryptocurrency industry to design this thing. So I don't know if you were who aware of that. Who are these sellouts? Uh, there's a list of them somewhere, but people that have worked for like Coinbase and Circle uh-huh. and some of the most sold out of all the cryptocurrency companies are involved in the designing of this stuff. So they're actually taking according. This is according to uh, Cyprian, who's a former host here, uh, used to be known as Vin Armani. But he posted a lengthy video about it, where he actually went over what came out of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology regarding this their their research that they had done, and not just research, but they'd put some sort of um, open source software together to, I guess, do some kind of level of technical demonstration of what the capabilities of this thing are. I just wanted to say, I think that, like, I just saw a thing today that they were talking, like, within the year they're going to be releasing it. No way. On one of the silver YouTube channels. A silver YouTube channel? So, like, a like a, a silver gold kind of YouTube channel? Uh-huh. You remember the Reddit Silver Squeeze? They have a YouTube channel called Wallstreet Silver. They were just doing a video today saying that there's a new document that came out. They were just looking at. 
by 2023, CBDC will be a thing, is what the federal document they were reading was saying. I don't know about that. I mean, they haven't gotten Congress to approve this thing yet. I mean, there's going to have to be a bill put forward, I think. And I don't think they can just unilaterally decide, the Federal Reserve can just decide to do this um, without congressional approval. But I could be wrong about that because I know that I they... Think what they'll, I think what they'll do is they'll sneak it into one of those 2,000-page bills. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's certainly a possibility. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if this got approved by 2023. Like if it all of a sudden, you know, they got they fast tracked this thing. Somebody says, "Hey, we need a ability to print out ten trillion dollars, and the CBDC will make that easy to do UBI payments or you know whatever." Because people are going to be clamoring for more giveaways, right? I've already seen there was another headline somewhere about now that all the you know inflation is happening, we need another giveaway. We need more checks. From their perspective, they want total control, and cash is, of course, not under their control, and so they want to incentivize people to use the CBDC. So they're going to do—they're they're even talking about a, an interest-bearing CBDC here, and they actually say that one of the reasons—one of the so-called risks is the interest-bearing CBDC could reduce people's interest in continuing a bank account with a local bank— because the federal government could just put whatever interest rate they want on it, right? Like to just printing money into existence. And so they could outdo the interest rates, which are garbage, on, on a bank account very easily. And so that, of course, is going to piss the I mean, banks maybe, off. Maybe temporarily, but what, what is the yield on a bond at this point? Because that's Treasury essentially the same thing, right? They're garbage. The treasury bonds are just... Yeah, they may worth. start out with like a really good rate. Like, hey, look at this. You, you should hold our CB, central bank digital currency, but after... You know, 20 years or whatever, it's just going to be a garbage rate like any other. Oh, yeah, of course. But it's no skin off their back if they make it. You know, if it's 1%, then that probably makes it 10 times what the local bank is going to give you. Yeah, but that's nowhere near what some of these cryptocurrency investment firms are offering people. Well, no doubt about it, but they're not marketing this towards cryptocurrency users. This is going to be something they want the average person to get into. The average person is going to say, I don't have any need for that CBDC, NFT, garbage, nonsense. They say, as with concerns related to financial sector market structure, some of these flight to safety concerns could potentially be mitigated by CBDC design choices. For example, a central bank could pay no interest on the CBDC. Nonetheless, because a liability of the central bank is essentially riskless, (laughs) depositors... Unless they decide they don't like your politics... Depositors may prefer CBDC over bank deposits in a crisis, even if the CBDC has a less attractive rate of return. A central bank could potentially address this risk by limiting the total amount of CBDC the end user could hold, or it could limit the amount of CBDC the end user could accumulate over short periods. So they still haven't so figured out. They're going to cap this. your wallet. They're going to cap your Maybe. wealth. If, if it makes the banks happy. Again, this comes back to what nobody was saying earlier. If they can create this CBDC in a way where the banks say, all right, then it's going to happen. And so this is them sort of feeling out, oh, we could do it this way. We could have an interest-bearing one. But the bankers wouldn't like that. So we could choose to not do the interest-bearing thing and then just – so they've got different options that they uh, they put on the table here. Do they have any that are good? (laughs) No, of course not. It's obviously just pure evil. You called in about this congressperson, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You say she is a huge Trump fanatic, and that's sort of what she's known for, apparently. And I, you were driving at some sort of point you wanted to make about her or a question or whatever, so go ahead. Yeah. Um, so 
the big thing about her is I I think that she as a junior congressman has perfected the art of figuring out what people want to hear and then saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's become an issue because I don't know if the last three or four weeks have been an act or if they've been what she really believes. Because what's been happening in the last couple of weeks is she has been screaming at the top of her lungs, literally running up and down the halls of Congress, screaming on TikTok, do not go to war, do not go to war, Vladimir Putin does not deserve this, do not go to war, Zelensky was embedded by the CIA, do not go to war, so on and so forth. And a lot of what she had to say, yes, was Zelensky put in power by the Obama administration and the CIA? Absolutely he was. Mm-hmm. Um, was um, did, did we just absolutely do the Ukrainian people wrong time after time again? And is it time to just walk away? When somebody says that they are against this war, we can point out that we're against all war, you know, with the exception of defending yourself, uh, with that, with the exception of defensive violence, and and use this as an excuse to talk to that person. Now, the odds that you're going to get through to a congressperson or even be able to have a conversation with that person are near to zero. They're protected by staff. They've got, you know, people, gatekeepers in the way. So they're just going to make whatever statements they make, and we're not really going to have any effect on them. But the average Republican... The ones that you can meet on the street at an event, at a protest, at a Republican meeting of some sort or whatever, wherever we're talking about it, you know, a local group, uh, even not not even necessarily if they're a Republican group, but, you know, the uh, the veterans group that might be in the area or wherever you would encounter one of these right wingers who has been pro-war and now they're all of a sudden anti-war. That's a good time to start talking to them about principles and why, you know. They should have been anti-war during Iraq or Afghanistan or or whatever. If you if you have sure. a relationship with this person, uh, this is a good time to to build on that. And I, I mean, I don't mind acknowledging that Taylor Green or whatever her name is mm-hmm. is you know right on this particular issue. Yeah. To me, that's uh, it's obvious she is right because she's in agreement with me, and I think I'm right on this particular <laughs> issue. Sarah had called in about this Chevron strike, and according to the news media, uh, there was apparently contract negotiations and the workers at this United Steelworkers Union shop there in California said that they didn't agree with whatever the contract offer was from Chevron and then refused to return to the bargaining, or the company refused to return to the bargaining table, so the strike began at 12.01, I guess, this morning. Uh, so, Sarah, right. go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and nobody had asked you some questions, and I wanted to make sure we had a chance to really get your your answers here. Uh, nobody, I think your first question was, well, why don't they just quit their jobs if they're so terrible? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, wait, wait a minute. Isn't, isn't the union, isn't a strike walking off the job and they're refusing to work? for a while isn't that what a strike means well it's refusing to work temporarily but also having the government prevent other people from coming in and taking your job Mm. there may well be unemployed people who would dearly love to have those jobs but legally 
the employer can't hire them. So then it becomes a situation where it's like, um, you know, basically a, a, a union is a labor cartel. The bottom line is wages are a result of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And if if you think wages are too low, the way to get wages higher is start a business and hire people and increase the demand for labor. Um, and, uh, you know, supply and demand aren't just good ideas. They're laws of nature. Yeah, and see if you can afford to pay those people uh, 10% more or 20% more and see if your business still works, see if the numbers uh, still work. There may be a reason why no one's offering more than $108,000 a year for this position because the market can't can't pay for it, can't handle it. Could well be. In fact, Chevron here, according to uh, Glassdoor.com, is actually higher than some other refinery operator payers. If you're working for Sunoco, for instance, you're only getting around $90,000. Hmm. Uh, per year so they get they so get almost 20 percent more yeah they get pretty good uh pretty good paycheck over there but you, your point here is really good nobody and that is that if the state wasn't involved in this then mm. it would be a completely different situation and if you didn't have the thugs the union thugs outside like intimidating potential new workers from coming into to the shop then it would be no big deal if somebody wanted to have a strike and then they would have to strike on their own market values like yeah, mm-hmm. you could hire new people for this job, but then you got to train them. I know you like to say that a person's name says a lot about them, and his last name is Reich. It's Reich. It's going to make sense as we go further Okay, along. so this is a, probably the apparently former bureaucrat. He was the U.S. Secretary of Labor from 1993 to 1997 working for Bill Clinton. So I'm guessing that's the same person. I would imagine so. Uh, but anyway, let's go on. He says, I used to believe several things about the 21st century that Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine and Donald Trump's election in 2016 have shown me are false. I assume he didn't number these because he's a he's a bad journalist, but I'm <laughs> going to number them for him. I don't even know if there's seven of them, in fact. But number one, nationalism is disappearing. I expected globalization would blur borders, create economic interdependence among nations and regions, and extend a modern consumer and artistic culture worldwide. I was wrong. Both Putin and Trump have encouraged xenophobic nationalism to build their power. Putin's aggression has also ignited an inspiring patriotism in Ukraine. So he evidently... Now, how, how does that differ? What's, why is Ukrainian nationalism patriotism or American patriotism nationalism? Well, you make a good point because in theory, patriotism and nationalism are going to be different things, right? Generally, when you look into uh, Russian news media, you find nothing but Russian-controlled or state-controlled media. There's almost nothing. Mm. There was a story that we reported on a couple weeks ago, early on in, in this situation with Ukraine, where the Russian government has come after what was described as the one liberal TV channel and the one liberal radio station. Now, I don't know if that means that there are independent other radio stations and TV channels, but the way the news was made to sound was, and it was, by the way, being reported by RT. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't like they're covering this up or anything like that. They actually interviewed some of the people from the TV station and, and quoted them. And so the TV station was saying they're going to sue because they believed it was unconstitutional, even under the Russian uh, constitution for what the Russian government was doing to them, basically shutting them down. The Russian government was alleging that the stations were calling for violence. And didn't all of this happen after the U.S. government and its corporate outlies effectively shut down Russia Today America? It was around the same time. It was all kind of happening at, a, at around the same time. I mean, so there's no doubt Russia is not a freedom-oriented place. However, mm. uh, what this guy is saying here is, is totally slanted. I mean, he's acting as though, oh, well, Putin is cutting Russian people off. Well, we just read to you at the very beginning of the show that the Ukrainian dictator has now said... Apparently, there's martial law has been declared, by the way. Did he not hear about how the Biden administration has been hiring TikTokers to spew propaganda? Because that's a thing now. Well, they can. Well, the Biden administration can do that to affect what people know. But here in the United States, at least, I don't think the Biden administration can control what we know because we do have access to things like library and Odyssey. Well, they can certainly silence a lot of voices for the majority of people through their operatives in Twitter and their operatives mm-hmm. in uh, Facebook. Through an FBI raid. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, it's just this, this guy is so one-sided, it's ridiculous. But we go on because he's got more. Uh, number three on the list. Advanced nations will no longer war over geographic territory. Remember, this is what he believed and that then... His belief was changed, supposedly. Didn't Russia annex Georgia in like 2000, some, 2016, 2017? Wasn't I that like pretty still recent? A, I don't think they've successfully annexed Georgia. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, I don't I think know. Georgia still, quote unquote, exists in their, I think there's some dispute regarding that particular landmass. Uh, but it, so he says, I thought that in the quote, new economy, land was becoming less valuable than technological know how and innovation. Competition among nations would therefore be over the development of cutting edge innovations or sorry, inventions. He says civilization. Again, these are things he uh, learned were not true. Civilization will never again be held hostage by crazy, isolated men with the power to wreak havoc. He says, I assume this was a phenomenon of the 20th century and that 21st century governments, even totalitarian ones, would constrain tyrants. Trump and Putin have convinced me I was mistaken. Well, what in the world would have made him think? Did he not hear about the Philippines? <laughs> yeah, what's that guy's name? I'm forgetting. Duterte? Duterte, that's right. Yeah, he's crazy. He, 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 doesn't he actually go out there with the police and kill people? He has. Yeah. He was known for that when he was a mayor, I believe, of uh, one of the bigger cities there in the Philippines, was actually going on kill squads, uh, going out with kill squads and executing people. But yeah, you know what? It's all Trump and Putin. That stuff, that's 20th century fiction. Right. I, I just don't understand what would have, you know, this is just straight up propaganda, and there's no reason why he would have actually made these assumptions at any point. I mean, he probably mm. does believe them, though. I don't know if I buy it. Uh, advances in warfare. This is his next one. Advances in warfare, such as fi- cyber warfare and precision weapons, will minimize civilian casualties. He says, I was persuaded by specialists in defense strategy that it no longer made sense for sophisticated powers to target civilians. Utterly wrong. Civilian casualties in Ukraine are mounting. Back to Robert Reich on his seventh thing that he believed about the 21st century that he has been proven wrong by, he says, Putin and Trump, even though Biden 
is also proving these things wrong, and so has Barack Obama. But anyway, he says, number seven, democracy is inevitable. He says, I formed this belief in the early 1990s when the Soviet Union had imploded and China was still poor. It seemed to me that totalitarian regimes didn't stand a chance in the new technologically driven globalized world. Sure, petty dictatorships would remain in some retrograde regions of the world, but modernity came with democracy and democracy with modernity. Both Putin and Trump have shown me how wrong I was on this, too. Meanwhile, he says, Ukrainians... Is he saying that Trump stole the election? I don't know. He doesn't. I think he's saying that democracy isn't democracy if he doesn't like the result. Yeah, right. He doesn't give any example of how Trump. But Trump lost in 2020, so he does like the result, right? Mm. It's just pure, pure propaganda. It's just a pure hate piece. Basically, it makes absolutely no sense. But let me go on with it. He says, meanwhile, Ukrainians are showing that Trump's and Putin's efforts to turn back the clock on the 21st century can only be addressed with a democracy powerful enough to counteract autocrats like them. By by nationalizing all the TV stations and making sure that only their voice is heard. So if you're in favor of no government, uh, that sounds like you're in favor of freedom, right? Am I misunderstanding you? Yes. Okay. Yes, and doesn't freedom Army, include? I'm also on. a U.S. Army combat okay. Uh, veteran. Okay. Now, doesn't yeah, fr- yeah. doesn't freedom also include the freedom to travel? Yes. So why are you so concerned with people using the freedom to travel to come to a more of what they believe is a more free place? Well, there's ways of doing it. I mean, even huh? myself when I travel. What do you I mean have ways to show of... the proper paperwork in order to process uh, uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> T- two seconds ago, <laughs> you were just saying you were in favor of no government. If there's no government, yeah. who are you going to file your paperwork with? There are rules, guys. Okay, let's go back to the honor system, which, you know, you know, yeah, pay the toll to I'm, control. We, whatever. Can, we can't go back anywhere yet because I'm really confused by your position. Do people have the right to travel? Legally, yes. Oh, Illegally, the... No. You believe in, you, you're an anarchist, right? No. No, 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 no. Okay. So, you're, no. so I mean, you do believe in government? To some extent, but not Oh, like, okay. So you, you were know. lying when you said no government. <laughs> See, that's where we all got confused, dude. No, 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 no. We no. thought you were serious. <laughs> we, th- we thought you were actually a serious lover of freedom, but it turns out you actually really like government. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.